All right. This morning was all Bible geography. Tonight, we go to the lectionary for the sixth Sunday in ordinary time. And if you're following the historical calendar lectionary, you know what Wednesday is, right? Do what? It's Ash Wednesday. Okay, yeah. Ash Wednesday falls on Valentine's Day this year. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I, believe, I could be wrong now. Now you're making me second guess myself. Okay. You're making, hang on. Let me look here. You're making me second guess myself. Okay. I'm going with, I'm going from, I thought that I was right, but now I'm going to look. I'm going to look here. Okay. I'm going to look here. Okay. 13th, 14th. There's the Ash Wednesday. Okay. I was right. Okay. You're all looking at me. I'm like, wait a minute. I think I know what I'm talking about. Okay, all right. So, so this is, uh, so then it'll be Ash Wednesday, then it'll be Lent, then it'll be Easter, then we'll go back to uh, ordinary time, right? Remember, because ordinary time is broken into different sections. All right, so to, uh, we, that's what we're going to focus on tonight. And so the first reading for today, the sixth Sunday in ordinary time, is Leviticus chapter 13. Leviticus chapter 13 is the first reading. Leviticus chapter 13, we'll start in verses 1 through, now they, they break this up really far. They go one verses 1 through 2, and then they jump all the way to verse 44 to 46, and skip everything in the middle, which probably tells us what? There's only something very specific they want us to see, right? They're not, they're not wanting us to look at everything else. I've got two different uh, translations here because... I have our three translations because I have a feeling we mean it may lead to an issue. I don't think it will. But Leviticus 13, let's read first of all verses 1 through 2. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a rising, a scab, that's literally how it is in the King James, or bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest or unto one of his sons the priest. And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh, and when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague is in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy, and the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. Now we jump to verse 44. We go to verse 44. He is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his hand, or his head. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, his head bare, he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. All right? Now, you know how I have trouble just doing the readings. You know, I have trouble. So I'm not, I don't, I, I'm just... You know, who cares? I'm going to do it my way, right? Okay, so when we look at this, we will come back and, and talk about it a little bit more. But before we get it too deep, let's just ask some basic questions. What is the immediate thing that jumps out at you about this reading in Leviticus? What is the first thing that jumps out at you? And it can be anything, just whatever jumps out at you. 
Okay, so what you focus on is outside the camp, all right? Anybody else? What jumps out at you? Okay, God telling them how it's going to be. Okay, anybody else? Thank you. Thank, okay, good. That's what, okay, two things jump out at me here. Right? Two things jump out at me, and I'll go through quickly, all right? First thing that jumps out at me is verse one, and the reason it jumps out at me is because, you know, the one system of theology I loathe with every ounce of my being is charismatic theology, and a basic tenet of the charismatic theology is that God talks to everyone. Does God talk to everyone here? No. So even in the Bible... When God directly communicated with people, he did not communicate to everyone. But some weird reason modern evangelical Christianity believes God speaks to everyone, and he does not. I mean, he didn't even hear, right? He spoke to two people. Who were the two people? Moses and Aaron. Everyone else, if they wanted to know what to do with leprosy, They had to go to Moses and Aaron to hear what God said. And they didn't have a Bible. They had to listen to someone, okay? So just, I think that's just very important. But the second thing, Sarah just pointed it out. It's to me, it's like, wait a minute here. They have a skin disease. They have leprosy. Or they at first have a skin disease and you don't know what it is. They go to the priest. They don't go to any, they're not going to a doctor. They're not going to any kind of medical provider, which immediately tells me, Hmm, something, I think something deeper is going on than a medical issue. It is a medical issue, but there's something more to it, I think, right? Because they're going to a priest, and then what, and are, what, and all the focus is not on what to do to get better. All the focus is on what? Just saying, you have it, and then you're unclean, you're unclean, you're unclean, you're utterly unclean, and you got to go. Now, Medically, we understand maybe why someone would have to go because if you are infected, what's a, just a very good idea? Quarantine, right? Isolation. I mean, that's just a basic concept in, in anything. If you have a contagious disease and it is spread either through airborne or, or any other way, get away from them. So we can understand. Remove, remove them. Okay, all right. But still, the unclean. I think there's more going on there. We'll, we'll talk about that. But those are the two things that jump out at me immediately. Um, and yeah, I mean, and then you can get into some of the interesting things going on and we'll read it again from a different translation. Now, well, let's go to the next one. So there's Leviticus, all right? Now, we have the psalm, but we're going to skip the psalm because it's not technically a reading, right? And now let's go to the, a reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. We're back to Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I wonder what the connection is going to be here, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, they want us to start in verse 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Everybody there? Whether, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give not offense neither to the Jew, nor to the Gentile, nor to the church, church of God. That, that is kind of interesting right there, verse 32. That, that's a, just so that you know, in dispensational theology, that is a very important verse. Why is that an important verse in dispensational theology? 
They may know, like I said, like if you learn dispensationalism, this is a verse you're going to memorize. Nobody can see why? Three separate, right? They're, they're separating the church from the Jew, right? Or the, like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's separate. Okay, all right. Even as I please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And then chapter 11, verse 1, they want us to read, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. All right. Um, now, the last time when we had a, a situation that didn't seem to make any sense, the, Corinthian, the Corinthians passage really kind of was the hinge everything turned on. I'm not so sure about this time, right? Does anybody see any kind of correlation with the leprosy here? Okay. It is something whatsoever, right? I guess in whatever we do, we want to glorify God, even in how we handle leprosy, okay? Now, that, that, that's, and that, in some ways, that's true, right? No, no matter, and no matter what we do, even if we're handling a plague, we should be more worried by glorifying God. In fact, in fact, what else does it say here, right? Give none offense. Neither to the Jew, nor to the Gentile, nor to the, or to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. What should be our concern even in the middle of a plague? The good of the others, not ourselves. Not offending people just, just to offend people. In other words, in the middle of a plague, we should be worried about glorifying God and worried about the good of other people and not ourselves. Now, I know that concept kind of got thrown out during the plague, but I remember when, uh, when COVID began, I tried to emphasize that that's the way we're supposed to think, right? We should stop worrying about ideology and fighting and proving a point. We should be worried about doing this. And that, that's, that's a pretty basic concept, right? I mean, basic concepts in the Bible are things like, I don't know, love your enemy, love your neighbor, put others before yourself, glorify God, right? Try to live peaceably with all men. I mean, these are basic, like, Christianity 101, and it got thrown away. And another basic principle is, we, I, I, the, Jesus seemed not to like when we just try to go out and make a point, right? Try to just show, show, you know, try to show ourselves as being spiritual. And well, I, so I think maybe that's the connection. And also about putting other people first. I think, you know, obviously in a, in a, in a situation with leprosy, the person has to be put away because they're afraid of what? Contamination, right? Right? Agreed? Okay. Um, and uh, in fact, hang on. I'm just going to look up something here. Because I haven't thought about this. I'm going to check something here. Okay, well, all right. It's mildly contagious and mainly transmitted through the respiratory droplets, which an infected person coughs or sneezes. Additionally, uh, prolonged close contact with untreated individuals with leprosy can increase the risk of transmission. So it's not um, super contagious, but even that was still enough to do what? Put them outside the camp. 
Why? For the good of everyone. For the good of everyone. Okay. So I think so. Maybe there's a connection here, but I don't think that that's uh, the the ma- the main focus. But okay. All right. I, I I don't think it is. But let's see. Then the next reading. The next reading is from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one. There, I I'd not I'd not thought of it really. From that way until Sarah said, well, whatsoever. Like when you said that, then I was like, well, you know, I didn't think of it that way. I was trying to look at the spiritual picture. So now you've got to mess up my whole sermon. Okay, but all right. Mark, no, no, that's good. That's, that's why we do things this way. All right, Mark chapter 1, starting verse 40. Now we can see at least some of the connection here, right? It's pr- pretty obvious. And there came a leper to him beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Now, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to be touching him, right? Yeah, and the leper's not supposed to be that close, right? And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him forthwith and sent him away, and saith unto him, See, thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing the things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it a much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could not more openly enter into the city, but was without, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. All right. They just heard that he cured leprosy. At that time, there was no cure. All right. So this is a big deal. Now, Jesus obviously tells him to go to the priest because he's following the the Levitical law. All right. So there's, so there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here. So Sarah may be right. She may have found us a very important connection in the Corinthians passage. My focus was on the Levitical, Leviticus passage, most likely because my favorite book in the Bible is Leviticus. So my, 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 I saw Leviticus and was like, forget everything else. All right. So I'm going to focus on Leviticus, but I'm going to try to walk it back to these others, at least in connection. So let's do a little bit of work in Leviticus. Does that sound okay with everyone? Maybe? Okay, all right, here we go. So let's try to at least get a little understanding here of Leviticus and do a little bit of work here, all right? Leviticus 1 through 2 seems to outline the procedures for identifying and and diagnosing or, you know, making some kind of decision about skin diseases, particularly leprosy. Uh, It addresses how the priests are to examine such skin conditions and determine whether someone is ceremonially unclean or clean. And now this gets us to the ceremonial laws. So let's do this. I don't know if the Bible dictionary has an entry, but see if you can look up and see if there's an entry for ceremonial laws. You may want to look under law. They may break it into three. How do we typically break the law down? Three categories. Ceremonial, civil, and moral, right? Typically, everyone, everyone seems to agree that the ceremonial, well, yeah, I think everyone agrees this. Nobody's off sacrificing animals. So I think most everyone believes ceremonial is, is over. Some try to borrow the civil, and, and, uh, but then we can get a whole discussion there. 
Does we have anything about ceremonial laws? I don't know if there's an entry, but if there is. See if we find anything. Okay, so they don't give us anything specific. I was hoping they would, all right? All right, so I'm, I'm going to try to read at least one definition here, right? In the Old Testament, the ceremonial laws refer to the specific rituals, practices, and regulations the Israelites were required to follow part of their worship and religious observance. Everyone hear that? The Old Testament ceremonial law refers to specific rituals, practices, and regulations the Israelites were required to follow a part of what? Worship and religious observances. These laws were given by God to the people of Israel through Moses and were meant to govern their conduct in matters of worship, purification, sacrifices, and other ceremonial practices. So, in this particular case if we're in the book of Leviticus in chapter 13, and it's giving the procedures to identify these skin diseases and addressing how the priests are to examine such conditions and determine whether someone is ceremonially unclean or clean, if they're ceremonially unclean, what does that separate them from? Worship and all religious practices. To be ceremonially unclean, you, you, you're separated in a sense. Think of it this way, and I think this is, is fair to say, and in and, and one sense, at least as far as worship and religious practices are concerned, you're separated from God. I think that's pretty important, right? Okay? And they have a system where there's a priest, and the priest serves as a go-between, all right? Because now, now this becomes pretty important, correct? Okay. Um, in Leviticus 13, 44 through 46, so 1 through 2 outlines the procedures of identifying and kind of diagnosing the skin disease. Leviticus 13, 44 through 46 focuses on the regulations for a person who has been diagnosed with leprosy. And man states that the individual must dwell outside the camp, wear torn clothes, cover their upper lip, cover their upper lip, almost like as if they're wearing what? A mask, okay, right? Oh, no, how dare they do that? Now, why would they do that? Remember what did we say about how leprosy was spread? Respiratory through the droplets, right? Okay, so, all right, I know this sounds, it's like, it's like, wait, what's happening? And what are they to cry out when anyone became anywhere close to them? Unclean, unclean. And why would you do that? Because you are putting others before you. Because the last thing you want to do is to take a disease and give it to other people, right? Now, this, this is common even in some other cultures, right? If you ever see video or pictures of people in many Asian countries, way before COVID was a thing, you would see them wearing masks. I mean, it's common they would wear masks. If they had a cough, they had a flu. Why? Because in that culture, you were to care about Others, where in our culture, 
Oh, come on, let's just be fair. America's about individual rights over the rights of the many, right? Individual rights trump uh, uh, the rights of others. I mean, that's a very common thing. And, and look, that's just, that's a cultural difference. Now, when it comes to Scripture, now, who cares about our culture? Scripture says we're supposed to put others first. And, and let's be fair. I, do you like that? I don't like that, right? I want to be first. Oh, come on. Like, like, let's just be honest, right? Okay, it's okay to be honest, all right? I mean, even in church, you know, being honest, you would think would be a good thing, all right? Uh, this separation was necessary to prevent the spread of infectious diseases within the community. And especially at the beginning, because you may not know exactly what it is. You're like, I don't know what you got. Go, go, get, get. All right? And so, so if you think about it, Leviticus 13, 1 through 2, if you want to outline these two sections, let's do a quick outline if you want to write these down. Leviticus 13, 1 through 2, you've got diagnosis, instructions for the priest to examine skin conditions closely to determine if, the, if it's a serious disease like leprosy. And do you not see that in Leviticus 13, verses 1 through 2? I think you can see that. For time's sake, I'm not going to go back and read, read it, but we've already looked at it. And then it talk, does it talk about isolation in Leviticus 13, 1 through 2? Okay, I guess when it gets to 44. So I guess 30, 13, 1 through 2 would just be the diagnosis, right? Would you think that's, that's a fair way of saying it? Okay, it's a fair way to say it, right? So then, uh, and then, and then, then the isolation will come later. All right, so that's kind of the diagnosis 13, 1 through 2, and then 44 through 46 kind of outlines what? If we look at 44 through 46. For the diagnosis is really confirmed because now he's, he's a leprous man. He's unclean. Yeah, so, he, so here is, hey, the diagnosis is confirmed and, he, and the pronouncement that he is unclean. He is unclean. And then he is to then do specific things to show everyone that he is unclean. And then the isolation is then given. All right? Does that, I think that makes sense. Now, all of that, now let's make it very clear. In Leviticus, it's dealing with real skin diseases, real leprosy, and it's very literal, and there's no question about it. However, it does seem that in the Bible, many physical diseases, including leprosy, is often used as a picture of something else. All right? Now, we all say that, but it's typically, I think, I think we can somewhat try to demonstrate this. So, here's kind of a discussion about this, all right? In the Bible, leprosy is often used as a metaphor for sin representing the spiritual condition of separation from God due to sin. And then they offer an outline here. We'll see if we agree with this. All right, are you ready? Let's go through some of this. First, we can write down the word uncleanliness. Leprosy was considered a contagious and unclean disease in biblical times, leading to isolation and exclusion from. In a similar way, sin is seen as a contaminating force that separates individuals from God and others. Now, in one sense, it, it, it is passed on, right? Conception, okay? It is passed on. And then my sin can obviously influence other people's sin. So it does have a spreading. But the main thing is, it makes us unclean before God. We are all unclean before God. We can all agree with that, right? Okay. 
Visible symptoms. Leprosy manifests through visible symptoms such as skin sores, discolorization, and deformities, making it readily apparent to others. Sin, through though invisible, can also have outward manifestation in a person's behavior and character. Do we not see sin in everyone's life? Yes, we see sin. We see sin in something as, as, well, as we, when we get over to uh, 1 Corinthians, and even here in Leviticus, your whole thing is you're supposed to be putting other people first. You're supposed to be trying to glorify God in all that you do. Well, immediately we see the sin in ourselves because we put ourselves first. And sometimes we're not worried about God's glory. We're worried about our rights. So we immediately see it manifest. Now, sometimes it can be manifest in a very graphic way. Like what happened today? Did everyone hear what happened at Joel Osteen's church? A woman showed up with a rifle and started shooting people and she had to be killed and other people were injured. Right? That's, a, that's a graphic way, right? Uh, but, it, it, but it can be big, it can be small, but the one thing we know is sin is made manifest in our lives every single day, even though we want to deny it, but it's there, right? So it, we're unclean, and we're unclean. And just remember, we're unclean even before we commit an action. That's sometimes hard for Christians to realize. I am un... And oh, this may be the most important part here, okay? So now we're going to get into kind of a theological debate. Because if you think about it, lordship salvation always says the proof of your salvation is by what you do and don't do. Can we, I don't know where they forget this. Whatever you do or don't do, you are still unclean. Does everybody understand that? You can be the most outwardly righteous person and you may even be able to pass MacArthur's test. You're still unclean because you have a sinful nature and you're guilty in Adam. All right? Okay, so we're unclean. And then that's going to manifest itself even for, for people who think they can pass the MacArthur test. It still manifests itself. That's why even the tests say, You do this, but, and then make 500 excuses for why you don't, and at the same time tell you it's a proof of salvation, which makes no sense. It's a proof of salvation, then it should demand what kind of grade on the test? 100%. But they can't tell you 100% because they themselves know no one passes the test unless you're insane, okay, all right? Three, so uncleanliness, visible symptoms. Next, ceremonial laws. The Old Testament contains specific laws and regulations related to leprosy, outlining rituals for cleansing and restoration. Those laws serve as a symbolic reminder of the need for spiritual purification and forgiveness from sin. So in other words, what they're saying is, hey, not only are you unclean, not only does it visibly manifest itself, there has to be a cleansing process. There has to be a way to be cleansed from it. Now, in the Old Testament, there were ceremonial ways and rituals to be cleansed, which typically include what? Washing and a sacrifice, right? Okay, right. There, there, was, there was certain things to, to, be, to be required, right? Okay, so uh, then... They talk about healing miracles. In the Gospels, Jesus performed several miracles of healing lepers, illustrating the power to cleanse both physical and spiritual impurity. These miracles demonstrated the connection between physical healings and the forgiveness of sins. And sometimes Jesus, not every single time, but there are examples where Jesus is like, 
He can heal them, but at the same time, he connects it with the forgiveness of sins. Right? Yeah. So there, because there's, he draws a correlation between it. Spiritual restoration, the process of healing from leprosy in the Bible often mirrors the journey of repentance and restoration and the face of sin. It highlights the themes of forgiveness, redemption, and reconciliation with God. And I think that's important to realize spiritual restoration should we, when we see someone with leprosy, what we should want from them is to be cleansed and healed. And I think in many cases in our culture, we just want to condemn, shame, and humiliate. We want forgiveness and restoration, not just, I don't know what we want. I think in some cases, we just want to mark someone and that's the end of them. But it shouldn't be that way. Uh, They say social stigma. Those afflicted with leprosy faced social stigma and were often marginalized from the community. Similarly, sin can lead to feelings of guilt, shame, and alienation from others, highlighting the need for grace and acceptance. There is clearly a parallel and a correlation between the two, right? We have all been diagnosed, and that diagnosis is what? Sin. We are unclean, and we are separated from Christ, from God. And our only hope We've got to be cleansed. Jesus in the gospel reading shows you a powerful way, right? Because Jesus actually touched, does the text in Mark, let me, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in my mouth. He touches the leper. He touches the leper. Meaning that we have a high priest. What does it say in Hebrews about our high priest? Does it say something about being touched with our infirmities? Let's find that verse to see, to make sure, because we're going to draw this parallel. Let's make sure we can find it. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. Anybody can find it. A high priest. 415. Okay, I'm going to turn there. Hebrews 415, because I think this is very important. Hebrews 415. Hebrews 415. Because we want to see, because I think this is a key verse here. And maybe connecting this all together a little bit. Hebrews 4.15. Right? For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like us yet without sin. Well, he became flesh. He dwelt among us. In a sense, he was touched with our infirmities in the sense of what? He was tempted like we are. But the main thing is, he came and then we know what happened, Right? He was, in a sense, he touched our infirmities because our sin was imputed to his account and he suffered as if he was a sinner. So in that sense, he came and touched us so that he, we could be cleansed before God positionally, right? We are declared clean before God. Are we actually clean? 
No, now this is where things get always weird when we draw this parallel. These people, in this case, someone was cleansed of an actual physical leprosy, right? But when we are cleansed spiritually, let's make it very clear, we are cleansed positionally. Practically, we're still unclean. We still have an unclean nature, which still makes, still manifests itself, right? That's why our salvation is by grace alone through faith alone, because if we're looking at people's lives, we're going to constantly see the result of supposed spiritual leprosy, which then you would always declare everyone to still be unclean. And it's why people constantly accuse Christians of being hypocrites, because we're always going to be hypocrites, because we're never going to be able to truly do what? Keep the law of God. That's why we have to explain to people, we're not saved by what we do, we're saved by what he did. Does that excuse the presence of leprosy and showing forth? No, it doesn't excuse it, but we have to have a better way of understanding it. So there is leprosy clearly broken down in a way on how it shows. We are unclean, there are visible symptoms, ceremonial law, in other words, something has to be done to be cleansed, to, to cleanse us. Jesus' healing miracles kind of, in offense, encapsulates this. Spiritual uh, restoration and their social stigma. That is, that is the connection between, and, and we're going to put it this way, between Leviticus and Mark. Between Leviticus and Mark is this. When we read of leprosy, we see a real disease that pictures and symbolizes our sin. We are guilty. Christ came to save sinners. And he saved sinners by cleansing them positionally. That's why we can say in Christ, we are a new creature. The old is gone and all things have become new. That does not refer to our practical life because if we think that, then it would require the eradication of the old nature. If you have the old nature, then we are not a new creature and old is gone unless you understand that positionally. The evangelical church constantly makes that a truth about us practically. And I don't know how they can say that because everyone in the church is still a sinner. So we can see the beautiful power of the gospel right there, right? We are lepers. And all we can say is, Unclean. Can a leper do anything? No. Something has to be done. They need a sacrifice. They need a substitute. They need a priest, right? There's all these other things that have to be done, correct? So guess what? We need Christ. He's our priest. He's our sacrifice. He washes and cleanses us with his blood, correct? And then we are declared to be clean. There it is. And a powerful, powerful way. So, before we go to the Corinthians passage, let's consider the, uh, a couple of following, uh, just a couple of, uh, of concepts here. First, we need to always remember that we are lepers in our nature, and our only hope is in Christ, not in what we can do or can't do. Could you just make your leprosy go away? No, you can't. All right, so our only hope is our positional cleaning. Second, when we see those who are unclean, because they're just like us, so we should get along with them really well, right? Instead of looking at them with, treating them with, you know, like they're, 
something wrong with them, with some kind of stigma, we should be able to relate greatly to them. And the goal is to go to them so that they can hear the message, not to immediately just isolate them. The point is, we're isolated, we're separated from God. Our job is to go to them to give them the message of Christ. What we should want from those with leprosy is healing. It's just so many times in the church, it just seems we don't really want people healed. We want to call them names. We want to attack. We want to condemn. We want to judge. And that's not the way it should go. Now, we may call something sin, but we should want, we should want to do what we can to bring the gospel to them. And the church has major problems with this, right? We've just, we've witnessed it over recent Weeks and months, all the controversy with Alistair Begg. Alistair Begg, very well-respected Bible teacher. Hey, everyone loved Alistair Begg. He's been, he's what, 70-something years old. He's been preaching forever. He's, he's written a forward for books for MacArthur to everyone. Like, I mean, he, he I think it was MacArthur. Maybe it was someone else who wrote the forward too. But um, maybe it was James Montgomery Boyce. I can't remember. But he's been very well-respected. Expository preaching on Christian radio stations all across the country, all over the internet. Alistair Begg, he, he was supposed to be preaching at Shepherd's Conference uh, next month. He's not going to be at Shepherd's Conference. And now he's been pulled from Christian radio. American Family Radio dropped him. Ref- Reformation Net, uh, the Ministry of Ligonier Ministry, R.C. Sproul, they dropped him. He's been kicked off radio stations. And now, his, and I'm not saying his ministry's in trouble, but now he's now viewed as like, well, the plague. And what was his horrible, horrible crime? Nobody here knows about this controversy? Okay, this is like the biggest controversy. that I mean, it's been crazy that everything's happened to him. He's been kicked off radio stations. It's crazy. You know what his big crime was? A grandmother wrote him a letter asking him, hey, my grandson, I think it's his grandson, maybe granddaughter, okay, is getting married. And it's a same-sex marriage. What should I do? And he said, well, do they, do, 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 does she, I think it's her, he, she or her, I can't remember, um, do they know you're a Christian? Well, yeah. Okay. Have you, do they know where you stand on this? Yeah. Okay. And clearly, the, the, the people getting married have rejected God, have nothing to do with God. So he said, well, go to the wedding and buy them a gift. How dare he? Now, his teaching is clear. He believes homosexuality is a sin. Clear. But he's like, in this particular case, go show love. Go show compassion. And people are like, how dare you go there? You need to tell them that they're going to burn in hell and they're pathetic. Well, congratulations, you're just as pathetic and deserve the same hell as they do. So now he's in, no, he, so he preached, I reviewed the whole sermon where he preached to to deal with the controversy and his his review was, I'm not apologizing for anything. He, went, he didn't back down. He's like, I'm not backing down because, he, because his whole point was, hey, I don't know about you Americans because he's British. He's like, my evangelical tradition, we know something about nuance, okay? We know something that every situation is different. He's like, I would, I'm not giving you a black and white. 
I was answering one person about a specific situation. I asked clarifying questions. But I have an entire sermon series on Romans where, this is him explaining, where I condemned it. I've not changed my teaching on it. But he's not allowed to have nuance. He's not allowed to have that. No, 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 no. He didn't follow the company line. So now he's not going to, he's, he was supposed to be speaking at a Shepherd's Conference, MacArthur's Conference. He's not going to do that. He's been removed from American Family Radio which is one of the radio stations that air here in Abilene. And he's been removed from Reformation Net, which is the radio station for Ligonier Ministries. And I don't know what else. Other ministries have now declared him basically as, as a heretic. Now, those people who are getting quote-unquote married, if we believe that that's a sin. Now, and the thing, also, just from a, just a logical standpoint, if you're going to start having moral standards for people who are getting married, then you would have to apply moral standards all the way across the board, right? And you would be like, well, wait a minute. Is this marriage? 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 And there would probably be then, I guess you're not going to go to anybody's wedding. I I guess at this point, you're not going to go anywhere unless people live, I don't know, perfect lives. Look, instead of going to a Christian marriage, maybe we shouldn't even go to church because you're probably going to be sitting next to some sinner, right? Okay, I mean, the whole thing is just ridiculous, okay? But the point is, now he's in trouble. Now, his whole point was, who needs the doctor? The sick people. Those with leprosy, need compassion. They need love. They already, her, and her particularly, her grandchild already knows her stance. So at this point, to not go would simply be to prove a point or to try to like make yourself look more spiritual than them. But she's not more spiritual than them. The only difference is she's saved by grace and her sin may be different than their sin, but she's still a sinner. I know that's shocking to the evangelical mind. I know it's hard to believe that your sin is still a sin, okay? It's still sin, right? So, uh, but to me, it's a good example of this. We don't just want to stand in the sideline and yell and scream and condemn the nonsense. The same thing, the same thing happened here in Abilene when not, because the last year it got canceled because of all kinds of craziness, but the year before was the pride parade in Abilene. And then these pre, quote, Christians and preachers from other states came into Abilene to stand there with signs like, you're going to burn in hell, you're perverts. And it's like, what are, that's, I'm telling you, you're going to win a lot of people that way. You're going to really do, I mean, what, what, what are you hoping to accomplish with that? Nothing, right? You're not, what, what does sometimes you need to show? Compassion. Does that show? Does that mean? Am I saying compromise? No, I'm not saying compromise, right? I'm not saying compromise. I'm saying love and compassion because people are sinners and they need that. And and what did Jesus show the leper and Mark? Compassion. Could, what could he have said? Get away from me! You're supposed to be out there. Say unclean. Go away. Now, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't tell you to go away because you're unclean? Aren't you glad that the God could have stayed in heaven to stay away from all of us lepers? 
but left heaven to come to earth to take upon human flesh to walk among lepers so that he then could have my leprosy imputed to him and then pay the payment for my leprosy? And I can't have enough compassion to try to show love to people who may live a life that is, well, I don't know, they're involved in a sin that's different than mine. But I guarantee you that I'm just as much a sinner. You say, well, that sin is more serious. I always hate when we try to say this sin is worse than that sin. How does it work? Because I know that sin, I don't care what sin it is, is sin and deserves hell. All sin separates us from God. And that even our good deeds are filthy rags before a holy God. But for some weird reason, well, well, at least there's some parts in Romans that make this one sound more serious. Well, if you take, remember we covered that in Romans. It's really talking about a whole bunch of sins. And we seem to separate that one out. Now that one, we could argue, well, it's, it's against nature. Well, you can make that argument. But then you could argue that all sin is against nature in some ways. But okay, whatever the case may be, it's still a sin. And if you want to make it, if you want to try to make it worse than your sin, I guess if that makes you feel better, I guess if it makes you feel better, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, I, I don't know why it would be, would be the case. But the, the, the point is, is we have to be people who see our own leprosy before we, Note the leprosy of others. And just as Christ came to me, I should be willing to go to them to show them the same compassion. We have this. Sometimes within the church, we almost almost have this idea that like we're on the winning team and everybody else is a bunch of losers. And we don't really, sometimes it doesn't come across that we really want people saved. We just want to condemn people that somehow we feel better about ourselves. Well, when, when someone is, is got a disease, what should we want to do? Not gossip, slander, hurt, publicly humiliate. We should want to cover, help. Love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't excuse the sin. But we want to gossip and slander and, and destroy and, and, and I don't, and we want to just kick and kick and kick and kick and, and like, you're like, at some point, can we move on? You know what? Because what should we want? But we don't want repentance. Uh, we say we do, but we don't. We want people to repentance and then grovel and then live with the weight of their sin for the rest of their life and always remind them of how messed up they are. It's like, well, who's reminding you how messed up you are? Why do we always feel so morally superior over everyone else's sin? We're not. So, yeah, we, we have to have the right mindset about people's leprosy. We have to. We have to. And then I think the Corinthians passage kind of really, I, I, there's a lot of different ways of looking at it, but yeah, I mean, we, I want to take more apart about the leprosy, but yeah, for trying to do this in one message, you know, we could look at we could look at so much about the leprosy, but let's go to back to First Corinthians ten. First Corinthians ten thirty one. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna apply this in this way first, right? So when when it comes to spiritual leprosy, when it comes to other people's sins. We should want to glorify God in how we handle and treat people. Does that make sense? 
right? We should want to glorify God. Do we glorify God the way we treat sinners? And I think sometimes we don't. We treat, we, we, we come across so hateful and I, and I don't think there's anything good about the way we sometimes conduct ourselves. And then it says, um, give none offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. What we should seek to do when we're dealing with people with other sins is not be seeking my exaltation, my pride. I should be seeking to help. And sometimes, I mean, you, you, you fall into certain kind of sin. Nobody's showing up to help. Okay. They, they, may, they may call you to get the information, right? They'll call you to go, so what did you do? Oh, well, okay, I got to go now because they got to go call some other people, right? They're not going to show up at your door and go, all right, we got to come up. We got to help you out. We got to fix this. We got to do something here, right? So first of all, do you understand that you've committed a sin? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, let's make sure you're right with God. Now let's get you back where you need to be. It's rarely do we, we, we have, I, I talked about this when I, uh, when I talk about spiritual warfare, we always think spiritual warfare, we always look at it as a, uh, like a Hollywood production. And spiritual warfare is really not like that, right? Because in the Christian life, here's, the, here's what I know about war. What is one thing that's absolutely going to happen in war? People are going to die and people are going to get hurt and wounded. And in the medical world, in the military medical world, we, there are battlefield medics. You have a Red Cross armband. You carry some very basic, 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 basic medical supplies because your job is to run out there when someone goes down and they scream, medic! And you're to go running to them. While gunfire is coming your way, you go run to them, right? Hopefully the Red Cross on your, you know, is supposed to protect you, but you know, it could serve as a target. And then you go run and you to do what? You to do everything in your power to stop the bleeding, to get to try to stabilize them enough to simply do what? Move them back, maybe to a, the first echelon of a hospital so that they can get a little bit more. And then you move them to a second or third level. And then maybe you aerovac them out so that they can get surgical needs that are met. You're doing the very basic, basic, basic. But what are you doing? You're running to help. When people fall and people are, are unclean, we are to run to them, not so that we can run up and kick them. We're not to run up to them with our phones and take pictures going, I can't wait till I tell everyone on Facebook about what he did. What we should do is, I don't know, put the phone down, run and go, I'm right here with you. I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. I got you, okay, come on. We're going to get you back. We're going to get you patched up. We're going to restore you. And we're going to get you back to a position of usefulness. We don't seem to want to do that. So we don't glorify God. And we don't seem to be wanting them fixed. We don't, we, it's so weird our, our thinking about it sometimes. It, it's so, it's so weird sometimes the way it goes. Like I've said so many times, I, w- I witnessed it too many times in my Christian life. I saw it way too many times in my Christian life where it's usually a teenage girl, she gets pregnant, so she has the physical manifestation of her sin, and then she gets put behind the pulpit to confess to everyone her sin, 
in tears and humiliation, the teenage boy hit the road, he's gone, and she's being humiliated. And supposedly, as a warning to all the other teenagers not to engage in sex. How about, no, don't use her. How about protect her and help her? What a, what a novel idea. What a novel idea. Now, am I saying you go to her and go, no, I'm saying, hey, man, sin, sin is no fun, is it? And I'm sorry that you're going through this, and I hope you understand, because usually you don't even need to say anything about them sinning. They already know they've sinned, right? Sometimes Jesus doesn't say anything about the person's sin, right? Because he already knows that they know. Like, we talked about this in Law and Gospel. You don't bring the law to someone who's already broken and humiliated. Most of the time, they already know they've sinned. It doesn't, you don't need to go remind them. Sometimes, I don't know what we have to do. I got to make sure they feel really bad. Well, congratulate. How about sometimes it's time to bring the gospel? And Jesus brings the gospel. And so, and guess what the gospel is? The gospel is not dragging someone out going, look what they did. No, the gospel is like, hey, every, hey, hey, everyone leave them alone. Back off. They're covered by the blood of Christ. Do, yeah, just a touch. And they're clean. Right, nobody else would do it. And guess what? When, when a sinner comes to Christ, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we have a hard time seeing them as clean. And I think the passage in 1 Corinthians where it says, if anyone's in Christ is a new creature, remember I've interpreted that passage. That passage is about how we are to see someone. I don't see Bobby as Bobby. I'm to see him in Christ. And so then I am to treat him as a new creature, the old's gone and all is new, because I'm to see Bobby in his position, not in his practice. Does that mean I ignore his practice? No. When he's doing practice, you have to confront him and go, Bobby, what are you doing? That's really kind of messed up. And then Bobby was like, I already know that I messed up. Okay, okay. Well, let's, let's confess it and let's, let's try to make sure our mind is right about this and let's try to turn from it. Let's move forward. And then guess what? then I am to still view him as being clean because positionally, nothing ever changed with Bobby. Whatever Bobby does, nothing changes his position because his position is not determined by what Bobby does, but what God does. And when God cleanses us, I want to make it very clear, perfectly forever. So what we have to learn, do we glorify God in how we handle people? Do we really put them before us? Do we really want them saved? And I think some in the church don't really want anyone saved. We just want to humiliate and kick and call names. And it's, I, it's so disgusting sometimes. It's so sad the way we treat. Look, you may disagree with them. You may think that everything about them is wrong. But what should you want from them? Not to humiliate and call them names and just, you should want them saved. Amen? Yeah, that's, that's what we should want. All right, so then, so I think there, there's, a, there's a clear aspect to this. Leprosy and the way God deals with leprosy 
and then our call on how we deal with people's leprosy. And what we want to do is to glorify God in how we deal with it, and we want to mimic the way Christ deals with it by going to and showing grace and mercy. But there's another part here that I can't, and it's, Sarah, I know now I'm out of time, so, you know, I can't blame Sarah completely for this because I'm out of time. But I think she made a very good point here. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Even when it comes to something as fleshly, as natural, as sickness, as a plague, as leprosy, we, above everyone else in the world, should handle even that in a way different than the world. And I said, when it comes to COVID, I, I, try, so, I said it so many times on the podcast, that we should never have allowed politics to get involved with it. We should have been looking at it from what? A biblical perspective. And the biblical perspective should have been, and let me just go, th- and this is any subject, any subject, right? Here's, here, so forget, if I mention COVID, I'm going to get 900 emails like, you liberal, you communist, you socialist. Okay, just, okay, whatever. Just go yell at someone else about that, okay? But this is what we should do. Forget COVID. Whatever the situation is, we first and foremost should be concerned with what? Glorifying God. Glorifying God. Glorifying God. Second, what should we do? We don't want to just try to... Uh, how does the uh, NIV translate verse uh, 32? Uh, is that 32 or is that 33? There we go. Don't cause anyone to stumble. First thing we should do is try to glorify God. And second, we shouldn't want to do anything to cause people to stumble. We shouldn't want to try to cause confusion, right? We should be the ones doing things that, that tries to show people that we're Christians and that we think differently about things. So we should glorify God and not try to be causing anyone to stumble. The third thing we should supposed to do is what? Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit. We should not be seeking us. We should be seeking the good of others. And why are we seeking the good for others? Ultimately, for their salvation. So whatever the situation is, glorify God. Don't try to cause other people to stumble. And put others before yourself. And we... As the world looked on, the church had this glorious opportunity. There's a plague. And the church could have stepped up and said, hey, we're going to glorify God. We're not going to cause to cause anyone to stumble. And we're going to put everyone before ourselves. And it turned into showmanship, yelling, screaming, proving points, politics, crazy. It just turned into insanity. And you could not get in control of it. It it just spiraled out of control. And I'm like, what has happened? But that's, we're so guilty of that. And nobody would stop and go, well, wait a minute. How would Jesus want us to handle this? Well, he would want us to put others before ourselves. Think about other people. In fact, the entire leprosy thing That's a physical disease. And what was supposed to be done? Well, wait, something's wrong with me. Let me immediately go and look. 
And then they look and go, something's wrong. You got to get out. Now you got to get out. You got to cover yourself. Now you got to get out. You got to rip your clothes. You got to shave your head because when someone sees you, they know that you're, something is wrong. And why do they need to know that something is wrong? To protect them. To protect others. Uh, That should be always our mindset. What can I do not to cause anyone else to stumble or to protect others? Now, whether you think it will work or don't work or not work or may work, you should be willing to do whatever. We should be willing to sacrifice even maybe we don't completely agree because the Bible is all about giving up whose rights? Our rights. Remember, 1 Corinthians is constant with that, right? Even if you have liberty to do something, you give up said liberty for everyone else. You may have the liberty and right to eat meat, but if that was going to offend someone, you don't. Remember, we talked about 1 Corinthians all those years, and of course, not too many people followed it, but I tried because when the church was growing at that time, going, man, we need 1 Corinthians, and that got forgotten really, really quick, right? Because it was all about what I want, what I want, what I want, what I want, what I want. And it's like, the whole point of Corinthians was It can't be about what you want. And we had an opportunity to put everything, and we we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. And guess what? When you can't do that, you know what you're going to do? You're not going to care about the leper. Can you imagine if God put, in a sense, he forgot about us? Jesus laid aside, in a sense, his rights. Did he not? He laid aside his glory to take upon human flesh and become a servant who became obedient even unto death. And remember, that's what Paul's argument to the Philippians were. Hey, stop fighting and doing everything through strife and vain glory. You're supposed to be like Christ who gave up everything for to save others. We should be willing to give up whatever for others' benefit. And it's hard to give up what we want for others. I don't want to give up what I want for others. I don't. So I understand. As hard as it is for a pastor, it's hard for people in the pew. They want church to be this way. They want this. They want that. They want this. They want that. They want this. And, 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 and I remember, I've said it so many times. I've asked people whenever they used to call and there was a problem, and I used to always use the, uh, the pierces because I've been here forever. I'd always be like, well, if I give you what you want, what if the pierces don't like it? And you know what? They never could answer that. Although they say, well, I'm not telling you you are because that's why I'm sitting in the car at Sonic or that's why I'm on the phone with you. You're calling me because you're not happy and you want something different. Well, what about the people sitting in the front of the church who've been here since day one? Why should I give you what you want? They've been here longer than you. Well, we see how that went. I should have gave them what they wanted, right? I should have gave them what they wanted. Then the pierces would be gone, right? No, okay. But no, the point was, it's like, no. That, but it's, it's hard to do that because everyone wants what they want. And we're supposed to glorify God, not causing people to stumble and putting other people first. And we're to do that in what situations? All situations. And in this particular case, it's used specifically with leprosy and with a disease, with a plague. And we forgot that 
in the church. And we can all say, oh me. But thank goodness that even when we don't handle things correctly, guess what? We still can be told we are forgiven because Christ will still come cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this evening. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Forgive us for how we've treated unbelievers, how we treat circumstances, situations. Lord, because we are so selfish and sometimes, Lord, we don't want to be the one to go touch the unclean because we somehow think that we're morally superior. But Lord, let, let us never forget that we are in our very nature. We are lepers who are unclean and we will always be unclean until we have a new body and sin is removed in glorification. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,